0: Thanks everyone for joining us today. We uh, really appreciate appreciate you guys taking time out of your day to uh, come out and uh, attend our webinar. Just a quick reminder, if you guys would uh, mute your mics in case you haven't already, um, feel free to unmute it if you're asking a question later on, but if you'll just keep them muted throughout the Zoom, that would be much appreciated. Um, So yeah, today is a Teachable Tuesday webinar. Uh, It's about how to advocate for yourself, presented by College Sport Communicators and our CSCU committee. Uh, Thanks for enjoying this important session as we discuss empowering and raising your personal profile and brand as both a young professional or maybe a student assistant or intern, or maybe even you're just someone that's interested in kind of getting into the sports communications field. Um, I am Josh Lovely, as has been announced. I'm a member of the CSCU committee. Uh, Today I will serve as the webinar moderator. Um, We have a great group that we're excited to talk about, but before we jump into that, we would just like to say another quick thank you to everyone for joining today's uh, CSC Professional Development and Continuing Education series. Uh, we welcome any questions at any time. If you'll just toss those in the chat, we'll have several people mon- monitoring that, and uh, we'll be glad to take them as we have time, and then we'll try to get through them as we go throughout the, the conversation, but then also a little bit on the back end as well. Uh, let's get things started with our three guest panels today. I'll have them introduce themselves, uh, explain a little bit about their current role, and then how. They are robbed where they're at in the industry. We'll start with Danny, then we'll go with Jordan, and then Shelby.
1: Hey, guys, I'm Danny Grillo. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for joining us today. Really excited to be here. Um, I am currently in my third year at uh, Davidson College in North Carolina, just north of Charlotte. And I got my start in this industry as a student worker at the University of Rhode Island. So I was a student worker in their office for two years, and then I got my uh First big girl job, I guess, in the business at Union College in upstate New York, which was a hybrid Division III school with Division I ice hockey. So I kind of got to see a little bit of both sides of those two divisions. Um, Then from there, I went to Concordia University of Chicago in Illinois as a grad assistant, which was a Division III institution. And I finished up that grad assistantship right as COVID hit, um, and then was able to land at Davidson College for my first full time job in the summer of 2020. So I've been there. Three years now, I started off as the assistant director and then got promoted to associate director last summer. And I cover men, women's basketball, women's volleyball, women's lacrosse, um, and sort of oversee some of our social media content efforts there.
2: Hi everyone, I'm Jordan Sarnoff and I'm the director of athletic media relations at FDU on the division one metropolitan campus. I got my start in sports information actually in high school. I was fortunate enough to be able to get involved from a really young age. And I started off doing releases and recaps and just making really meaningful media contacts when I was with the Bridgman as a freshman. And moving to college, I started actually getting my foot in the door at FDU just by networking. And I reached out to the person who would eventually be my predecessor. And I started doing replay review for men's and women's basketball, just working game days, uh, PA announcing for softball. And then during COVID, like many athletic departments, we weren't immune to some staffing adjustments. And when FDU made the pivot to only having one full-timer in the role and really relying on graduate assistants, we were able to kind of work through some things and were able to introduce a full-time director of creative services. And then I was able to walk into the role as what was then uh, athletic communications manager and has changed a couple of times to reference my emphasis on media relations, um, external facing earned efforts, and obviously traditional sports information communication responsibilities.
3: Hi everyone, um, I'm Shelby Hill. I'm the Director of Communications here at Baylor. Um, I, like Jordan and Danny, got my start after college um, kind of as an intern my senior year, but I never worked in a sports information office while I was an undergrad but I interned at the Missouri Valley Conference office. um, And after graduation, I really didn't know what I was gonna do. And so I went on to be a GA in communications at Missouri State, um, took my first full-time job at University of Missouri, Kansas City, started as an assistant director, uh, was quickly promoted to director after some turnover, Um, but then Illinois State had a position open up. And so I went back Um, into the valley and worked at Illinois State for almost four years. Um, And then a position opened up at Texas A&M. They called me and I went down um, to Texas sort of in August of 24 or of 21 and was there for a little over a year and Baylor called with a director position open. Um, And so here I work with our women's basketball program, women's tennis program, and then I oversee our student intern uh, staff.
0: All right. Thank you all. Uh, everyone, we have an incredible uh, panel today. Obviously, uh, Jordan has a pretty good story. Incredible. We'll get to hear about that a little bit. But then you also have Shelby and Danny, who are actually on the uh, inaugural uh, CSC 30 Under 30 class that came out this past year, so we're in some really good company. It's a great panel. I think things we've talked about leading up to this is going to be really fun. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. We'll hop in. One thing is you'll see if you also put your uh, name, email, and the organization you're with, and if you're full-time or if you're a student in the chat, it's a huge help to us as well. Let's go ahead and dive right in. So obviously today's uh, webinar is about how to advocate for yourself. And you know that's just such an important thing within our industry. But at the same time, I think a lot of people would probably describe it as being either scary or uncomfortable or maybe even kind of taboo in a way like you just when you're saying advocating, it goes a lot of ways. Like sometimes, yes, it makes sense. But other times you're like, well, if I'm advocating for why I should get a raise, like that's a really complicated thing to do. But I think it's important for us all to kind of realize there's a lot of easy tips and tricks you can do in order to kind of help benefit yourself and help do these little things without it being necessarily any of those things, scary, uncomfortable, uh, or just feeling like it's not allowed. Um, And these things all go to any industry. It's not just exclusive to sports. And when we're saying advocating for yourself, you know, that could go uh, many different ways. That could be trying to pitch yourself during a job interview or with your cover letter. Uh, It could be explaining the value that you bring um, and negotiating your contract. Once you uh, have a job opportunity, it could be trying to get a promotion at work or even trying to move up within your industry uh, or just trying, you know, get professional development through your through your uh, school or your athletic department to go to something like, let's say, the 2023 CSC convention that's going to be on June 11th through 14th. Just kidding. That was a shameless plug. I'm sorry. That was dirty of me to do that. But Anyhow, you guys didn't come to hear me. You guys came to hear the uh, the awesome panel. So let's open this up to discussion with our panelists, talking just kind of about one tip or trick when it comes to advocating for yourself. Um, Let's start with Danny, and then we'll go to Jordan and then Shelby again.
1: Thanks, Josh. Um, You know, when we started talking about this panel and the idea of advocating for yourself, I kind of took a step back to think, you know, what does that mean to me if I think about advocating for myself? And the biggest thing that came to mind was when you advocate for yourself, you're trying to make your situation better for you, whether that be a new job, um, the job you're currently in, maybe salary negotiations, kind of like we talked about. But then I brought it back to the interview process of, say, you're going after a job that you really want. The biggest thing for me that I try to always do um, in interviews and in that preparation process is, is just doing your research, going to that school's website, that their athletics website familiarize yourself with the website what does it look like what what do you like about their website and also you know going to their social media channels what do you like about what they do how do they cover their different teams do they cover um you know football different from basketball different kind of strategies that they're using that maybe you haven't seen before that way you're prepared to talk about it if you're asked you know hey what do you think about our social media or if there's one thing you could change on our website um what would it be And then on the on the flip side of that, not just familiarizing yourself with the athletic department, but the institution itself, I think, is really important. you know, for me, one of the biggest things that drew me to Davidson during my application process was how small the school is. It's it's only 2000 students. And I love that kind of small campus, small town feel. But, you know, in the process of being a part of three hiring processes since I've been to Davidson, a lot of people don't know that when they are interviewing and I think you should know about the place that you're pursuing a job at. Um, And then the last kind of tip I have is in that same realm of doing your research is look up the bios of the people that are gonna be interviewing you, get to know them. Maybe you guys have a commonality, you know, oh, we went to the same undergrad or we're from a similar neck of the woods. Um, It can kind of ease your nerves to know that you have something in common and also give you a little something extra to maybe talk about while you're on that interview, so. Thanks.
2: And so much of what Danny said really applied to my journey, how I got to FDU. When I think of advocating for yourself, it's a lot of what Danny said. It's getting your foot in the door. It's finding those commonalities to eventually establish um, a rapport, even if that's going through a staff directory and just reaching out to people, even um, for student interns or people getting into college sports on this call. It doesn't hurt to reach out, hi, I'd like to work game days, or I'd like to shadow you, or spend a day in your office. And doing all of those things helps get that name familiarity, even if it's within a conference or with local schools. And all of that, showing the initiative of making the attempt to send an email, following someone on Twitter and starting that dialogue, all of those things help you build that recognition and so while we'll talk later about once you're there being able to further advocate for yourself I think it's really important too to once you're in that position or you gain a meaningful or even an entry-level role within a collegiate athletic department or any organization it's advocating for yourself within your stakeholders it's showing the value of your role with student-athletes It's building those positive relationships with coaches because far too often I see relationships with coaches are very one sided being able to build that balance all comes from that advocating. And like anything, this all comes down to building those relationships being confident when we went through the interview process with a lot of our graduate assistants, we saw a lot of people who either lacked the skill set and had the desire to learn and were confident in their abilities to learn. And so many others who lacked the skill set, but were not confident and willing to learn and wanted to stay in that one specialized area, whether that was, I really want to be a play-by-play broadcaster and that's all I want to do, or I want to only do social media or only do graphic design. And part of advocating for yourself is being willing to adapt and learn. And I think that's really a high-level 10,000-foot overview to just a couple of things to really make an impactful, not only interview, but relationship that could get you the second opportunity, third opportunity, and so on.
3: Yeah, and I think Jordan just touched on it right there that you can't be afraid to take chances. Like, I think a big part of advocating and, you know, going after what you want is being very open to taking that leap of faith and just trying it. Um, I think a big part of it too, is just fighting for a voice in the room. I think that's what's helped me, um, just kind of propel into my, um, career is that I've always kind of been a little outspoken on certain things, which I think there's a way to do it respectfully, but saying, Hey, like, why, why am I not in the room? Um, when we're having a conversation on Title IX, you know, advocating that you're interested in a particular topic. Um, just because I work with women's basketball and women's tennis doesn't mean I don't have a good idea for football or a good idea for softball or baseball. Um, I think it's just being well-rounded and fighting for a voice in the room is a way that you can start advocating for yourself because the only person that can do that is you. Um, I think it's just super important to kind of look out for you um first and by doing that you know taking those risks i always say um, that the most growth you have is when you're uncomfortable so when you're getting comfortable in a situation you're probably not growing a whole lot and i think all of us as individuals um, have gotten to where we're we've been and even you on the call you know you might not be where you want to be yet but there's a lot of growth that happens when you're uncomfortable and so not being afraid um to go out of your comfort zone I think is a total way to kind of advocate for yourself
0: thank you all for uh answering that I mean we could really just stop there I mean I think that was good enough right no I'm just kidding one reminder if you'll toss your uh questions into the chat we'll try and get to those uh we have plenty of time, and obviously we want to answer a lot of your questions. We have a big group, so if you guys all ask questions, we'll try and get as many of them as possible. But if not, we'll kind of compile those and try and get those answered for you after the webinar as well. Um, one thing I like to always ask people as well when we're doing these is just tell me your favorite memory when you've worked in sports. Uh, I always love to hear this and hear this story. So just real quick, uh, we'll go Shelby, Danny, and then Jordan. If you guys will just tell me your favorite memories.
3: So I have a lot. And this question always trips me up because I think sometimes when we work in sports, we take things for granted. Like, I think sometimes we just like do something or experience something and we're like, wow, like that was really cool. Um, I would say some of my favorite, though, include working just like postseason events. I think it's so cool, um, whether it's a conference tournament. Um, I have worked two final fours, so I've done volleyball final four and then just finished women's basketball final four. And that was the coolest experience that people would like kill to get a credential. And I'm just like hanging out and helping and like just to see it all come together. I think that that's just really cool. And again, it builds that network um, that I didn't have before. But I think postseason events are definitely my favorite.
1: Um, If I had to pick just one, it'd be hard to not pick meeting Steph Curry earlier this year. Uh, never did I really ever think that was going to happen. But um, no, my, my second year as a grad assistant at Concordia, I got to go with two uh, female track athletes to the NCAA Division III championships. And I ne- had never really covered track before or even paid too much attention to it. But it was one of the most rewarding experiences um, of my career, just getting to Work that closely with those two athletes, and you know, get amped with them on race day, and seeing them when they cross the finish line, becoming all Americans, and standing on the podium, um, just kind of echoing Shelby that that postseason buzz. I think there's nothing quite like it.
2: So I don't think I can say postseason as well, because then that would that would match three out of three. But no, I mean I don't. Um, it's very cliche, but I think every game is just as special as the first. In this role, you're really able to take a step back and see what the efforts of your position do to make a, in my case, a Division One athletic contest happen. But my favorite memory is, even before our March Madness run, was my first game as the men's basketball SID. I mean, I was a sophomore in college and we were playing Seton Hall at Prudential Center, nationally televised game, and I'm a lifelong Mets fan. And two days before the game, I get an email from Gary Cohen, who's the longtime TV voice of the Mets, and he was the radio broadcaster on the contest. That moment of being able to provide him with information after being someone who's watched his work was incredibly fulfilling on personal, professional, everything in between. And so I think, too, every game is also an opportunity to network. So my favorite memory is just meeting all these incredible people. Uh, no two games are alike. And I think, you know, every day something new happens and you make a new memory. But, yeah, I would, I would say my favorite one is that, that Seton Hall game back
0: in 2021. Awesome. We have a couple of questions, so uh, we'll hop on in uh, to those real fast. First one is from Ethan Anderson. As someone in a large office of students and grads, what are some ways to stand out to superiors? Uh, Shelby, you wanna take this one?
3: Yeah, so as someone that oversees our student staff here, that was new to me. Um, I had never had this kind of role. I would say the students that stick out to me are the ones that are the first ones there, the last ones to leave. Um, If you're only there from five to eight and it's eight o'clock, we're still not done. You know, you're not the student that's like, hey, can I leave? Like, I was only scheduled till eight o'clock. I think also just asking like, hey, do you need anything? Like, I think just genuinely being interested in what, you know, your superior or the full timers need, that says a lot about your work ethic. Um, I think in sports, we know that it's not a nine to five job. It'll never be a nine to five job. And so I think just going that extra mile of volunteering, um hey like do you need any extra help um or I'm really interested in game notes like can I help you in any way like I just think that building that relationship and I think what frustrates me the most is when students just come in they do their office hours and they leave like I don't even know you're in the building um and our building's really hard for me not to know you're in the building so I think it's just being that extra um set of hands uh and not being hey I need you to do this but it's wow I really like relying on Ethan because I know that he's willing to help and go the extra mile I just think that that um, speaks volumes
0: awesome uh, next one we'll feel is from Drew Smith is a grad assistantship necessary or is it okay to search for an entry-level full-time position when just starting out uh, and Danny you want to take this one
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I think it definitely depends on the individual. I don't think there's one blanket answer for everybody. Um, I know for me, when I had finished my first year at Union College, I was super overwhelmed and feel like I still had so much to learn that I wasn't quite ready for what a full time job would require of me. Um, And I kind of wanted to be in that role where I had the room and the space to grow and learn um, at that more entry level um, type of position. And on the other side of that, too, You know, long term, I hope to get into administration one day. So I wanted to get a master's degree and I was able to get my MBA while um, also feeling like I had a little bit more time to figure this industry out before getting into a full time job. And it served me incredibly well, but everybody has a different journey. And there's no, you know, if you get right into a full time job, you're going to be able to learn just as much there as you can in a grad assistantship too.
0: And then we'll take one more question real fast. We'll take this one from Jake Howard. I'm kind of wondering, is somebody in the interview process for a GA slash intern position, since my only collegiate sports information experience at WVU is in the ACHA, for which is technically at the club level, would I be at a disadvantage in that since I did not work in a collegiate varsity sports information department? Something that keeps coming up is Photoshop slash InDesign. And I have experience in graphic design, but not Photoshop specifically. And then he added, been diligent in researching what it's like to be an SID, Uh, been reaching out to around 150 schools since September, uh, reading every day about SID stuff. I'll tackle this one. Uh, Jake, as the, I oversee our student intern department here at the University of Tennessee, and honestly, there's so many times where I see kids that come up, and they don't have any experience at all, and they're trying to get started in the field, and in my opinion, that doesn't, that doesn't keep me away from them because every person in this industry had to start somewhere. Now, obviously, I get that your situation is a little bit different. where you are trying to get an internship uh, out of school. Is it going to be tough? Yeah, I won't deny that. There's probably going to be a little bit harder than if you'd had four years of experience. But at the same time, one of the biggest things to me is, did you show the effort to try and get involved? Or did you just not do anything for four years did you just kind of avoid it and now you're looking all of a sudden and honestly by reading your story and I know you were on the same call we had back in the fall so like yeah you have like put in the effort again it's going to be a little tough you're you're not wrong you probably will have to like fight for yourself a little bit more but this is the perfect thing advocate for yourself you've been trying to get involved you've been going to these webinars uh becoming educated on more of what you would do on a daily basis and if I'm not mistaken I think you also have some writing experience um at West Virginia I may be wrong but I feel like you said that in the fall so you've you've kind of put yourself forward you, student newspaper boom so you have been active and so like I think that benefits you as opposed to if you were just trying to get involved With no experience, you haven't put in an effort, you've not shown this initiative, I think that will go a long ways in helping you. So I hope that answers your question. So let's move on. Jordan touched on the importance of networking and how those connections can kind of end up being a great way to bolster yourself down the road. And that really kind of ties in well with the next two areas I want to touch on. And again, I'm going to give a shameless plug to CSC and the awards committee with these two. Uh, As I've already mentioned, two-thirds of our panel is made up by members of the inaugural CSC 30 under 30 class. Uh, This is an award that features the top up-and-coming superstars in our industry. Danny and Shelby are both very deserving. They've been awesome. You already heard a little bit about their story, and I think by now we've kind of realized they're uh, well-educated in the industry. But they had to be nominated for that award by someone else, meaning that those two, along with the other 28 individuals, Uh, left left such a lasting impact on someone in this industry uh, that that person went out of their way to nominate these people for this award. Uh, Now, Danny and Shelby probably hate I'm even putting them on the spot like this again, Uh, but I would like for them to talk about what that meant for them to be recognized and also how that can be used as leverage when advocating for themselves. Uh, We'll start with Shelby and then go Danny. Yeah,
3: well, for starters, was not expecting it. Um, I'm pushing the 30 envelope. So that was kind of nice. Um, But no, I mean, the whole reason I do what I do is because I want to make an impact on others. Like I want to make an impact with student athletes. I want to make an impact with coaches. I want to make an impact in the community I'm serving. Like I'm very much a servant leader. Um, I put everybody before myself. And so for somebody to recognize that I've made an impact on them was unbelievable. Like I even, I emailed with Danny. This is how I met Danny. So like full circle moment. Um, that's how I met Danny. Danny's like, Hey, you got this award. I need a write-up. I was like, what the heck? Like, this is so cool. Um, and so that kind of started my connection with Danny, which was awesome because through this program, like she's helping lead the committee on this, somebody nominated her, which is great. Um, and so I think just like, it really showed that my hard work was paying off. Um, I think we put in a lot of hours and a lot of effort. and we talk about, you know, when you're young, like you're trying to um, just make a name for yourself, right. And so I think that that really showed that. And then the award came out a month after I started at Baylor. And so I think not that I needed proof that I was fit for the job here, but I think that that just elevated it so much more to say, hey, like we did make the right hire. Um, you know, I think that goes it's nominating your peers. Like, I think it's one of those things to be nominated, but also giving shout outs to your peers, I think is huge. Um, and just really helping each other because I think we work in such a thankless industry. So in order, you know, to win the 30 under 30 was awesome, but I've got to thank every person that helped me get to this um, spot. So definitely it was unexpected, but um, it really is one of the highlights probably in my career.
1: Yeah, I would have to echo um, pretty much everything that Shelby said. You know, we work in this industry to write the headlines, not make headlines. Um, and to my committee kind of oversaw and sort of created this award for COSIDA. And, you know, I, I didn't tell anybody in my office about it, that it was happening. And I just kind of kept my head down. Um, but to then have my name end up on the list was one of the most like validating feelings in my career. And, you know, I, the reason I do this is because I love the relationships with people and working with student athletes and coaches and you know the people in my office and um, it was just one of the most rewarding feelings um, in a really rewarding career overall. Um, but in terms of leverage, I think it's a really cool piece of a physical evidence that the body of work that you know Shelby and I and those twenty other people have created is making a difference and making an impact on people and you know, I think it's one thing to say, I've done all this stuff, but it's another to say other people have noticed that I did this too. Um, And, you know, I think if I find myself in a situation where I'm sort of looking to advocate for myself, maybe this summer, then it's definitely something that I'm going to try and use because we worked hard to earn this and we should try and
0: have it help us out. Awesome. I see you guys' questions. We'll come back to those here in a second. I just want to continue on with this trend for a brief second. Uh, Continuing the praise of our individuals on the panel and their work. I mean, I'm sure most of us know, but we have the man, the myth, the legend, Jordan Sarnoff of March Madness fame with us. Uh, I just want to take a moment and talk about how awesome that coverage was. I know there was a lot of chatter on both sides of it, and I see it both ways. But, I mean, how cool was it to be able to see one of our own recognized during the biggest collegiate uh, sporting event of the year and one of the biggest in the world every year. I mean, that was that was really awesome. And so I just want to say that the future is bright for Jordan, and it's been a pleasure to have him with us today. Uh, to my second point for awards, I want to open this up for any of our panelists. How important is it for us as college sport communicators to nominate ourselves for yearly awards that spotlight our work? Uh, what benefits are there to keeping your bio up to date on the website? Uh, how many of us as SIDs or sorry, excuse me. I mean, most of us, when we're SIDs, we kind of get hung up on the fact that that's one of our main functions and we do that for our teams, but yeah, often we kind of neglect to do it for ourselves. Um, even for me during CSC appreciation week, sometimes I feel like it's just hard to recognize myself. I don't, I just want to stay behind the scenes, but There's value to that. How can we utilize these avenues and opportunities to just be beneficial and advocating for ourselves just by doing the things we already do for our programs? And I'll open that up to any of y'all. Yeah, Josh, I'll, I'll jump in here first. I mean,
2: we're talented that right to this desk to my right sits our director of creative services, who is beyond talented. And I'm constantly encouraging him to, you know, put a portfolio together, give me his work so I can nominate him for these awards. And people have likewise asked me for the same things. And I think it's incredibly important to, almost like what Danny said, yes, the primary function of our job is to write the headlines, not make them, but at the same time, within our industry, within our community, we should champion and celebrate our work. I mean, we're fortunate enough that we're able to touch the lives of so many student athletes across so many walks of life and also tell the stories of our institutions of our departments, some of who have hundreds of years of rich athletic tradition. And so being able to advocate for yourself in the sense of receiving that external, I guess, stamp of approval on your work, making a 30 under 30 list, being recognized by front office sports or sports business journal, all of these things can only help you in the long run. And I would never interpret that as somebody boasting about themselves or being a self-promoter. Um, I see, you know, there's all these awards, Athletic Director of the Year, you know, the Learfield Directors' Cup, all these Commissioners' Cups, conference level awards. All of these things are there to celebrate the work of the individuals off the playing surface. And I'm the first one to celebrate when we have a student athlete, get athlete of the year, first team all conference, even make an All-America team or in COSIDA or CSC now. Um, academic honors but being able to celebrate our own work keeping our bios up to date and really being that advocate once you have your foot in the door I think it goes the extra mile and makes all the difference.
3: That's great Jordan I think one other thing that kind of stands out is I didn't get this job today without the jobs I did before Um, and so I think when it comes to advocating for yourself I'm a big proponent on the bios on the website, like, I had a tweet a while ago that I said I don't like it when I can't figure out what sport to work with, um, but I know people really don't like it when they click your name and it's blank. There's no photo, there's barely an email address, and there's no bio, and so I think a lot of jobs are being filled nowadays by word of mouth, um, so, hey, do you have anybody that's fit for this job? Um literally live and I have been texting about that. Um, cause she started this trend anyway. Um, but another thing is bios. Like I know several people that said, Hey, um, I read your bio online. We have this position open. We're really interested in you. Um, you can tell people no, like it's okay. Um, the world won't come to an end if you tell people no. but I think it's way to advocate for yourself is to brag on yourself like Jordan said like what have you done um I honestly right before this call double checked my bio and I didn't even have the 30 under 30 award in there so again you know who's going to know that if they don't click a bio and read about you so I think that's super important and if you're not on an official athletics website that's when your LinkedIn should be updated um your social media channels like what do they say about you um are you a hardworking professional or are you a video gamer that doesn't really put in the work um which is fine if you're both but just an example um but definitely advocating for yourself is just making sure you're laying a platform um to be sought out for a position
1: yeah and just to close out on that topic um you know, we spend nine to 10 months out of the year promoting others. So, you know, give yourself a shot, promote yourself, nominate yourself for CSC's awards. They've added so many different awards this year too, to different content pieces and um, video content, all those types of things. So, you know, take, take a step back to pat yourself on the back and, you know, the worst that can happen is you don't win, but you know how hard you worked at the end of the day. So give yourself an opportunity to be praised and promoted for what you do.
0: Awesome. We have a couple of questions that have come in, so we'll uh, tackle those. First up, we have Emily Solomon. How do you balance work life when an up and coming communications uh, professional? I want to take advantage of every opportunity to learn and grow, but also be able to set boundaries for myself. I'll open the floor on that one.
3: I can start um, as somebody that never used to set boundaries this was the most important thing I've done in the last three or four years. I think when you're young, um, obviously it's super important to take advantage of every opportunity, but also knowing what's your tipping point. Like at what point are you no longer effective? Because I think what happens is we're like, I want to do this and I want to try this and I want to try this, but you're only giving every opportunity a little bit of you. Um, And so how can you really get the best experience, but then Um, kind of build on that without being able to pour into everything completely. And so I think for me, it's finding something I like to do outside of work. Um, Work will always be there, but going to the park um, for a nice long walk will not always be there. Um, You know, if you like kayaking or reading or um, painting, like setting aside designated time to be able to do the things you enjoy, I think is just so important. And it's what's helped me kind of stay focused on this industry. Um, burnout's real. We can't, you know, avoid that. But I think it's it's truly finding what you're passionate about outside of work.
2: And just to piggyback off what Shelby said, it, within your boundaries, you know, making that time to go to the park, go see a movie, go see a game leisurely if that interests you. I think there's also an opportunity to, at least in our area here in Northern New Jersey, right outside of New York city, there's a lot of freelance opportunities to go work a game. So within that, I mean, there's no harm to setting aside two hours to go work a game for somebody else. You don't know who else is on that table crew or working that game day staff. Um, It's another chance to meet people and further your skill set. I mean, I see a lot of GAs who are applying now and I'm involved in the interview process who list out schools that they freelance for. And it's interesting to me because it's more people that I can reference and check back with later as we move down that process. But still definitely make time for yourself, but at the same time, see some of those external opportunities aside from that main position or internship that you're seeking.
0: Awesome. And I'll kind of add one more thing to that. When you're a student in GA, having done both and also having sport responsibilities at that time, I mean, you really won't be busier after graduation and for a long time until you're in like an administrative role or you're running your own office. But when you're in that role, it is really hard to kind of manage your work-life balance because you're also balancing school um, in addition to all of that. And for some people, they're also balancing a full-time job to make money, in addition to interning while in school, so I want to say like it is, it can be hard early on, and you're going to have to tackle some of that and face some of that. But as you go, in my, in my opinion, I felt like it got a little bit easier after I got out of grad school because I wasn't spending as much time on trying to prep for exams, uh, create a presentation, write a paper, um, do a project. I I kind of got relieved of those things. And that almost turned into more of my free time. But yeah, obviously, work-life balance is a huge deal in this industry. And it's something to definitely uh, pay attention to. For our next question, uh, we'll go back to Jake. To those people who moved from their undergrad to a different place for their first GA or internship, how was that adjustment for you from a social standpoint? I went to community college, so it just feels like I'm starting over again if I go somewhere else, for the first time in two years, especially as I didn't really uh, feel in place until this year, I'm somewhat of an introvert. So making an adjustment like this doesn't become easy to me. And it's kind of worrying me as I only finally felt comfortable this year. If anybody who went through that could give me advice, it'd be extremely helpful.
1: I can start um, on that topic. And can definitely relate you know it's not the easiest thing to move around from city to city every year or two um and when i first you know i was a student athlete for four years and i when i went to union i was dealing with like grieving this athlete part of my life while also being in this part of new york where i would never been and i didn't know anybody um but trying to force yourself to get involved in things even if it makes you uncomfortable like shelby said putting yourself out there, pushing, you know, your comfort zone. Maybe you join a soccer league or go to try and gather like younger coworkers and go to trivia because you're all kind of in that similar boat of you're away from your family and your friends. Maybe they're, some of them are local, but maybe they know people too. Just kind of trying to put yourself out there, even though it's hard, like making friends in adult life is one of the hardest things that nobody tells you about. So give yourself grace that it is hard to find a social life once you leave college and grad school, but put yourself out there and give yourself the opportunity to meet people. And even if that's walking down the hallway to the person next door and just introducing yourself and asking if they wanna go grab lunch, grab a coffee, um, just trying to put yourself out there.
3: I think to Danny's point, um, the most important thing I have to add to that, don't talk about work when you're at lunch or getting coffee or going to trivia. Like I think that's a. it goes back to that work-life balance is how can you have balance if you're talking about work in your life? And so I think the best way to kind of meet people too, is like, okay, I'm gonna go grab coffee with Danny. She's in the office down the hallway, Um, love her vibe. Like, I just think we get along. And we don't talk, you know, I ask her like, hey, where are you from? How'd you get here? Um, Tell me about your career path. Like, those are very simple starting questions to kind of help connect. Um, And it goes back to checking bios on the website. You know, if I get a job at Baylor and I know that somebody else is from Illinois, like that's a cool connection. Now I want to go learn more about that person. It gives us something to talk about. And it's not a forced conversation. It's just a personal conversation. Um and starting out in smaller settings, I think helps bring people out of their shells. Um, believe it or not, I used to be a huge introvert and now I'm the total opposite. So I think it's just starting small and not trying to overwhelm yourself, but building those connections outside of work helps.
0: Awesome. Uh, next question, we have Brianna Levine. Does anyone have advice on becoming efficient in Adobe Creative Suite? I'm a social media intern at LSU and that is one area I wanna improve in. I'll kind of tackle this one briefly and if any of you guys other wanna hop on and say anything about it, feel free to. Honestly, for me with design, InDesign, I've learned so much every year. I started as a freshman and now I am almost 10 years into the industry. And I feel like I learned something new that is super valuable and helps benefit what I'm doing, whether it's building out game notes, uh, trying to create a, a small graphic or a newsletter or something. I learn something new every single year. And it's kind of one of those things where you're going to do it forever and you'll still be learning stuff when it's all said and done. Um, but I, I I feel you for me photoshop that is like my kryptonite i have been scraping by literally today i was trying to figure out how to use a clipping mask like if i asked most people that in our industry they'd probably be like yeah that's really simple josh and i'm just like yeah i don't really know how to do it and so i have to go ask my designers but like i get that it it can be pretty daunting to learn some of these programs and also love adobe but they didn't really do us any favors with like some of their functions don't necessarily translate from one app to the other but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of resources. I saw uh, Texas announced, or said uh, sent you a link to YouTube that can be helpful. I've Googled plenty of stuff and YouTube plenty of videos and how-to trials. And then Barb linked as well to one of our webinars back in December. Um, so, yeah, utilize some of the resources we have here. Um, and then also on YouTube, most people are probably asking the same questions. Uh, and at a place like LSU, you guys probably have a good uh, core to work around go to the professionals who use those uh, applications every day. They they could be super valuable in helping learn. And I I get it. It can be a little tough to go up and ask some of those people during the day while they're working for help. But at the same time, I think most people in this industry are always super willing to help. So don't ever be afraid and feel like you can't go ask someone for help uh, when learning. If you all want to answer, feel free to. Or if you think I did a great job. Yeah, no, Josh. Josh did a great job. I mean, the only thing I'd add is I think it's,
2: underrated how valuable YouTube is as a tool. I mean, I was fortunate enough that my high school had a pretty robust suite of Adobe products. We had access to everything. And so once COVID happened, I was working in the athletic department at the high school and it was the spring of my senior year. And I knew I was going to FDU. I knew I was going to be working with FDU and an opportunity opened up to start generating content, You know, trying to keep your stakeholders engaged when there were no sports happening. And so watching YouTube, trial and error, learning, you know, functions of InDesign to start putting together game notes templates or game programs for schools that still do those, all of those things were really helpful. And it just started by Googling functions or reaching out to people who were pretty familiar with the functions of the program.
0: Awesome. All right, y'all. Well, we got about 15 minutes left and I'm going to kind of try and wrap this up, but, uh, The last area I really want to touch on for tonight is reaching for what you want. You know, everyone in this industry has goals uh, and there's a path to get where you want to go. One of the biggest things that can help you uh, on your journey is, you guessed it, advocating for yourself. Let's end tonight by each panelist talking about kind of the importance of finding mentors and having certain people to lean on. When trying to move up within the industry, whether it's pursuing a higher job, like, say, maybe a head of your office or a head of external role, or maybe it's you want to assume responsibilities as a sport admin, you know, there are steps and actions that you can take to help set yourself up for success. And I just want to have our panelists kind of talk about that briefly. Uh, Jordan, let's start with you since, I mean, you are running an office and you're kind of knee deep in that. And then we'll go Danny and Shelby.
2: Yeah. So like Josh said, I mean, I'm in the really unique position of I'm a junior in college, yet I run our athletic communications office. And so the way I got to this spot was putting the bug in our associate AD for externals ear of when the opening happened, saying, I'd really like a shot. Even, I mean, the position has the rank of assistant AD here. You know, I'd love to learn more about the budgeting process. I'd really like to see more of the facilities and operations side, or even I'd really like to learn about sport administration. You know, so many athletic directors now that I've come into contact with had sports information experience at some part in their careers. So if that's something you aspire to do, stay in contact with them. You never know when they're going to need to hire an SID or a communications professional. And when that's fresh in their minds, it helps you to build those connections. And when we were going through our process here, I think the concept for somebody, I was finishing my freshman year when the opening happened. And I think the concept was almost laughable to a lot of people. And when we really sat down and I was given, I could tell this story now, I was given 72 hours to formulate a plan, to structure the office in an appropriate way that everything that needed to get done was going to get done and that I was still able to manage my student responsibilities, maintain some resemblance of a social life, and also deliver a really well-rounded external facing communications approach fitting for a division one athletic department in the largest media market in the world. And being able to do that really helped me, obviously set up the next stages of my career, whether that's staying at FDU, whether that's moving on, I think by me just having those conversations, which are uncomfortable because it's basically, you know, begging for a position. Hey, I really wanna do this. Hey, I know we just interviewed three people today for this role that, you know, are fully graduated with master's degrees with five years experience, but I'd really like a shot. And so finding people like Jason Young, our now Senior Associate for External Affairs, Brad Hurlbut, our AD, Kathy Liggett, our Deputy AD, SWA, you know, having these conversations with these people and building those relationships, gaining that trust, it goes all the distance because now I'm in a position where I have that director experience, and now I'm set up for whatever that next move looks like.
1: One thing um
2: that our athletic
1: director, at Davidson, always says is, "I don't know what I don't know." Um, and to me, I kind of, you know, I hope to get into administration one day. So to me, that meant, all right, I'm gonna ask Chris Clooney to get grab a coffee with me. And I want to poke his brain and see what I need to do to get from point A to point B. Like, what do what do I have to do to fill the gaps to learn what I don't know right now? And make sure that he also knows that, hey, I have an interest in this. Like, I don't want to just be an associate director of communications. I'd like to be an associate athletic athletic director one day. I know that's not gonna be right now, but how can I start to figure out how to do that and what that looks like? Um, because I think when when your supervisors and administrators, when they know that you have an interest in this and you're showing sort of this initiative to be more involved and learn what it takes, then they're gonna think of you when things come up. Um, And then on the flip side of that, remember kind of like your roots, like my uh, mentor when I was a student worker at Rhode Island, he's somebody that I lean on constantly and I'm always reaching out to him because he's sort of this outside voice, He's not at Davidson, so he can kind of give me that outside perspective when I need it. Um, so don't be afraid to connect with people who aren't at your institution or you you used to work for, you hope to work for one day, and just kind of constantly try and make those connections.
3: I think for me, um, it's just remembering that your circle doesn't have to be just SIDs, or it doesn't just have to be creatives. Um, building the network, but building it with people in parts of the industry you're interested in. Um, I think that's super important. Um, And also just sharing your goals with the right people, like both Jordan and Danny touched on this, but who are you telling your goals to? Is it somebody who's gonna help you in five, six, seven years? Is it somebody that can only help you for a week? Um, But I think it's really just being vulnerable and sharing those goals. And I always remember like even with any relationship, it's quality over quantity. So are you telling your goals to a lot of people and you're kind of being um, just out there like, hey, I want to do this and I'm going to do this. Or are you sharing it with the right people, knowing that they're going to have your best interests in mind? I think that's super important, too. And I've gotten the opportunities I've gotten because of the trust I've built with people and mentors and people in the industry. Um, and I think it's, you know, sometimes it might come across of like, well, how do I maintain these relationships? genuine authentic relationships in this industry will maintain themselves um i think people can tell when others are being genuine um there's people that i haven't talked to in three or four years but i know that if something down the road came up i could call a large handful of people um and just talk to them and so i think it's just important to be authentic when forming relationships not every relationship is going to work out and that's okay um but i think it's the genuineness and the motive behind those relationships that will last.
0: Awesome. One last call for questions. If you have any, if you guys will toss those in the chat, Uh, we'll try and get to those. If not, I mean, I just want to say again, guys, really, what an awesome panel tonight. Uh, Danny, Jordan, Shelby have all been really great, gave some really good insight into this area. And again, I want to emphasize this is a really important area you can be benefited by advocating for yourself. And it's not necessarily as scary as you think, but you do kind of have to take the steps to do it. Be a little prepared, Um, be in touch with those who can help you, whether it's a mentor or someone who's done the job already and trying to attain a certain position. You know, have those people in your life and set yourself up for success by doing these various opportunities. Um, That just goes such a long, long way. Uh, and then one thing as Lori just put in the chat, uh, the CSCU virtual camp is June 1st and 2nd. Be sure to check out the details on that on our website, collegeportcommunicators.com uh, and register. It's totally free. Uh, we have a good slate for those two days. We're really excited about it. We're working hard. Uh, we think a lot of you guys will really enjoy it. And that's not just for anybody that's, uh, in college. It can be for those who are, you know, young professionals or just getting started in the industry. Um, Definitely, definitely check that out. But if we don't have any other questions, I will wrap us up and we'll call it a night. Uh, I do
3: one more plug. Quick.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> So As the chair of the job seekers committee, I would not be doing my job um, if I did not plug the job seekers and kind of what we do. So, um if you follow our Instagram account, I don't even know what it is right now. That's horrible, but it's our jobs account. Um, but we'll constantly post different um transactions that we've got job postings that are coming up on the csc career website uh, but constantly be checking those we also offer resume review um throughout the entire year so if you email us your resume we'll take a look at it um you know there's just opportunities to network there's opportunities to get better like i'm constantly trying to get better um i don't have all the right answers but i bet i could find somebody that might have the answers for you so definitely be on the lookout for that and also Danny and I are partnering up at CSC convention this summer um, to host an event as well um, that helps you know get young professionals like you guys um, in the room with some more experienced professionals that are job holders um, but job seekers just like you guys so definitely be on the lookout for that too but sorry Josh had to do that.
0: No i totally for it. All right, y'all, let's wrap this up. Uh, one thing, we'd like to give a big thanks to our presenters again today for their discussion their insights. Uh, we encourage everyone to check out our website, collegesportscommunicator.com, for updated information, what's on tap for CSC continuing education throughout the rest of this spring, and then also what's happening at our June hashtag CSC Unite 23 convention in Orlando. Uh, in May, look for our webinar on strategies and how-tos in producing your own broadcast and building your broadcast team. That'll be a really good one. Uh, Reminder that if you're interested in attending our June convention, taking place June 11th through 14th at the World Center Marriott in Orlando, our early bird registration actually closes this Friday, uh, April 14th. You definitely want to jump on that and get the best rates possible. And then also we still have rooms left in our uh, CSC hotel room block too. So you can find all that information and more on the CSC website Uh, CollegeSportsCommunicators.com. Thanks to all who have already registered, and we hope to see you guys there. Again, thank you all so much for being here today. Thank you for our panelists. Really appreciate y'all. Y'all have a good night.